big shout out to our sponsor of this podcast, Herds Media, your one-stop shop for all things videography and photography. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. We're back again. Welcome back to episode six of the one and only podcast. This week, Glyn chats to some super connectors. Amy Muirhead, chartered accountant with David Allen, gives us her take on professionally promoting your business to gain that competitive edge. Pete Best, also known as Farmer Pete at Dalscon Farm Play, Dumfries, tells us how Pumpkin the Donkey sent his business viral. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode six of the one and only podcast. I'm Glenn Lucas and our topic today is how farmers can connect with their communities by simply sharing what they do in an honest and authentic way. Our guests today on the one and only are what I would call super connectors uh, who have developed and honed their storytelling skills into an effective and super attractive way to communicate with the communities they support. Amy Muirhead, or should I say Stobart, congratulations Amy on your recent wedding, is a chartered accountant for David Allen uh, with a vast experience in all things farming. And uh, one interesting fact that I recently learned about you, Amy, is that you're a, an experienced truck driver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, High Hall Farm is home to Amy and her husband, Jimmy, where three years ago they diversified into tourism which we'll find out about later. So welcome, Amy. Welcome to the one and only. Thank you. Honoured to be here. Uh, our other guest today is Farmer Pete. Well, we'll just call you Pete for today. Um, Pete owns and runs the Dalscon Farm in Dumfries. Uh, welcome, Pete, and thanks for being part of uh, the September podcast. No problem. Thanks for, the, for having me on. Nice to be here. Excellent. Well, we'll start with you. Dalscon Farm must be one of Scotland's most famous farms. It's situated on the the A seventy five, Pete, just around the the Dumfries bypass. And I pass there at least a couple of times a week when I'm travelling around farms, and I'm always amazed how busy it is. Uh, Pete, first of all, tell us about yourself, uh, where you come from, and how. Dalscon Farm was established? Well, uh, I'm not really an advocate for talking about myself, but I'll give you a, a quick rundown. We moved as a family to Scotland in 1981 to Dalscon, um, and it, it wasn't what it was then, what it is now. Um, the bypass came through a few years later on. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of developed from there. We kind of started off uh, when we got here. My, my father, he came out of a, of a dairy farm in Northern Ireland and he was looking for a change. Uh, so when we moved to Dalscon, it, was, it wasn't just as urban as what it is now because the bypass hadn't actually came through us by that stage. Um, but we were, we still had a lot of traffic going past. So my dad's idea was he would grow a field of sponsors, he would call them potatoes, uh, and sell them at the door, as you do in in Northern Ireland. So that's what he he did. We planted, I think the first year we maybe had three acres with the intention of selling them all um, from the doorstep, if you like. This was back in the day 
before kind of farm shops have become the a thing, you know, a trendy thing, yeah. Uh, before it was the end thing, so that's how we got started. My my sister, she moved with us. Um, she had left school. She hadn't got any employment, so she went to work at um, a chicken, a hen farm, actually, uh, Lady Park Farm, which is just across the the fields for us, basically. Um, so and Lady Park at the time they delivered, they supplied most of Dumfries with with eggs, um, so we. We jumped on that, so we started selling eggs and potatoes. That was our, our kind of basics. Um, and we still sell eggs to this day from, not from Lady Park, because sadly they're no longer here, but from another local producer. Um, uh, we started selling potatoes, eggs, and then added on to that with, we started growing vegetables. Um, so it was a kind of, typical classic farm shop if you like but very seasonal because obviously the summer months you can't produce um potatoes unless it, you know from maybe from early to mid-august you'll start to get your first crop but so kind of the, the summer months we had um we had off um so as time went on we kind of developed it and started selling more and more stuff at that time when my wife uh, when my father passed, my wife, Tricia, and myself, we took over, um, and we had a young family. At that time, the local toy shop in Dumfries closed down, and that, that was uh, in the mid, that was kind of late 80s to the early 90s, um, kind of before the, the mainstay supermarkets had started as well. There wasn't as much choice. The local toy shop closed down, so we were struggling to find uh, kind of farm toys for for two young boys at the time and we decided we'd yeah. start um selling some tractors and trailers and farm related stuff through the farm shop because it all kind of linked in um so that it was a bit <laughs> it was a bit um daunting at the time because i think when we we did eventually contact one of the it was britain's ever most farm related people on listening to this will be aware of Britain's toys um, because that's kind of the mainstay toys everybody would have had. We contacted Britain's, we got the rep here uh, and at the time he said your yeah, your first minimum order is £500 and we thought oh my goodness <laughs> we hadn't anticipated spending £500 on anything at that time but uh, we dived in uh, and it all went well. So added on from, from farm toys, then you, you're looking for something for kids that aren't so interested in farm stuff. And uh, it just kind of grew from there. So after, after a long time, uh, we established a toy shop, had a farm and toy shops. Seems a bit of an unusual mixture on a farm. Um, and then with so many children coming about, we used to think, ah, oh, we've got all these people here. We can't give them a cup of tea or, if we had a play area they could go and play so that was the next step we uh, we kind of morphed into um we've got an indoor play area soft play as you would call it and um, with a, a cafe your kind of typical soft play area um, this was after foot and mouth affected us in 2001 because we were lost all our livestock so the opportunity was there then to to kind of jump in again this is kind of 
just as diversification was was becoming a groovy word, um, and the rest to say is history. It just kind of grew yeah. from there. That's a, that's a a phenomenal story, and really nothing. You you never had a a plan. It was all things and and seeing those opportunities happen and and taking those opportunities when when they were presented to you. Um, but what what? I still, I still love when you go back to Northern Ireland, um, going back to the potatoes. We, when you travel around the north uh, in the potato season, freshly dug potatoes, that's a great sign. People selling their potatoes around, uh, and that still happens uh, in Northern Ireland. Um, for someone who hasn't had the pleasure of visiting Dalscon, uh, Pete, can you paint a, a picture of what you would expect to, to see and experience uh, at a typical visit to, to your farm today? Yeah, um, well, we've it's all run as one business, but with kind of two separate sides to it. The, um, the farm shop sadly is no longer, other than we still sell eggs from a toy shop. Um, we have had a, a loyal customer base for eggs for for years um, only big eggs that we've always sell, sold extra large eggs and our, our customers love seem to love them so that's what we sell the toy shop is a standalone business um, my wife and my daughter and my daughter-in-laws have created a, a kind of a unique gift shop in there as well now for kind of for home gifts as well um, slightly farm related um, so that's a standalone building. At the other side, on the other side of the yard, we have, uh, as you enter, you'll come in to our Dalscon diner, if you like, uh, which still has our soft play area attached to it, albeit slightly larger than it was back in 2004 when we when we opened it. Um, so that, that'll accommodate indoor play for children from basically from the walking up to um, 10 years old. Um, so you can play in there all year round. It's open um, 52 weeks of the year, bar a Sunday, we don't open on a Sunday. Um, so we've got soft play area. There's also an indoor, we call it a kind of indoor outdoor area. It's a covered area that typically would have some outside toys in it. So they can uh, run wild in there as well. Then you would go outside into the farm park, as we call it. Um, plenty of entertainment out there for kids as well. Young and old, uh, go-karts, your classic climbing frame swings. Um, we've got different um, activities out there. I, like, we've got a pond with some bumper boats on it. Um, lots of slides and different activities to keep Kids amused. You can. We've got what we call the Dalscon Farmari, taken kind of from the word safari, but instead this is a farmari where you can uh, you can pedal in four seater go karts right the way around the perimeter of the farm. Uh, start at one side, it brings you the other, uh, so you get a bit of a workout when you're here as well. Yes, uh, at, the, at the top of the hill, we've got the. Uh, the kind of main farmyard area where the goats, sheep, donkeys, horses, etc., are all 
um, situated. Uh, and just this summer, we actually we converted one of the what was kind of our workshop in workshop store, uh, and we opened up our small animal area, which has has been very popular. So in there, we've we've got our your classic small animals, your rabbits, your guinea pigs. We've got some bearded dragons. We've got some uh, birds of various descriptions, tortoises, turtles. So there's uh, that's been very popular and very well received. So uh, the boys, um, Joe and Ben, that's my two sons. They're very keen to, to expand that as well. So yeah, so there's a, a nutshell, that's what we have. there's an, a, yeah, an, an enormous amount of things to do at Delscon. Our kids are growing up now, but when they were little, uh, we were frequent visitors and yeah, and, and I think you've expanded uh, all uh, the attractions since then. Uh, I, I first became aware of the Delscon Facebook um, live streaming, Pete, last year when you came to my Valley Blacknose sale and you live streamed the, the whole process of you purchasing these beautiful, beautiful sheep. Um, and my, my wife and our neighbour, they, they are addicted to your um, live streams and, and really enjoy that, as do thousands of, of viewers who, who tune in from around the world. I, I've always thought that farmers have a, an amazing story to tell, but so many farmers feel that they wouldn't be good at, at telling their story. How, how did you get started into, into live streaming and what are the sort of the key skills of being an effective online communicator? <laughs> um, wow, that's it's quite a loaded question. Um, we initially started our kind of Facebook broadcast, not as a live stream, but it was, it was more of a promotional tool for the toy shop originally. My yeah. daughter, Alice, um, from in our early years in, in secondary school, we would go on to Facebook as many people do uh, to promote an item. So we talked Alice into doing videos where we would offer a, a, an item from the toy shop um, as a competition. And we would do a, a like and share competition. People had to like and share the post. And it was basically just to get, to try and get our reach out there and to, to get Facebook followers and, and likes, but also to promote traffic into the toy shop. You know, they would, they would see this product and think, this is available and we'll nip in there and see it as well as to provide a prize. So you, yeah. it, it, it was, kind of, it was uh, I don't want to say cheap, cheap. I'm looking for a better word here, but- uh, Well, I would say it's an effective, it's an effective way, isn't it? To, it's Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and it helped your, you know, your Facebook followers grow. So Alice did. We did that for many years. Um, we had uh, we had great fun doing it as well because there was these were just recordings at the time, uh, and at the time none of us were interested in in getting behind the camera uh, whatsoever. Or uh, there's quite a phobia, maybe not of people getting behind the camera and being seen. But there's a big phobia of people hearing their own voice being recorded or listening to your own voice coming back. Because I kind of think in my own head, what you think you sound like, you never do, but you do sound like that to other people. 
yeah, you have as an auctioneer, you have to get over that very quickly. Yeah, but it's not. I don't. I don't think anyone enjoys hearing their own voice. I don't. I really don't think unless you're like I don't know a famous singer or something. But yeah. <laughs> no. So uh, I mean, that, I think that was the biggest stigma to get over was listening to your own voice. But um, and then I think maybe as Alice got older. Um, I don't know if she didn't enjoy it as much, but we maybe had to persuade her a wee bit more to, to do <laughs> these videos. Is that a good way to, to describe yeah. it? Um, uh, and, <laughs> and then I suppose me being me, um, I kind of stepped in and, and started to do a little bit and uh, more on the live side. This is when you see other people doing live videos and you thought, that may be quite good to promote and you know we'll we'll try it a couple of times to see how it went very nerve-wracking when you press that live button and you're suddenly talking to people um in my a few years ago i was involved in a a community um radio station radio's always been my kind of passion never had the the best opportunities to get involved in it until there's a small Christian radio station um, set up here in Dumfries, which works on a, what you call a restricted service license. So yes. you were able to broadcast for one month per year, uh, working as volunteers. Um, and it was set up as a, a Christian radio station, which I'm heavily involved with. Uh, so we got involved in that. Um, and it gave me the opportunity to kind of explore my, you know, my my kind of passions that I've been passionate about for many years. Um, now, when you do get involved in it, there's a lot of excitement, but there there can be no lonelier place in the world than being in a radio station at six or seven o'clock in the morning on your own, talking into a microphone, because you have absolutely no idea who or how many people are listening to you unless that telephone rings and, and probably every um, radio broadcaster or DJ in the country will all say the same. You are praying that radio that um, telephone is going to ring at some stage in the morning, so you know at least one person's listening to you. Um, unlike Facebook Live, because when you hit that uh, live button to broadcast, you can immediately see if there's one or if there's a thousand people listening to you because it tells you on the screen. Um, and that really gets your adrenaline going. So yeah. it's, uh, it is a, a fantastic, Facebook Live especially, YouTube Live, there's, there's various different platforms out there, but Facebook Live is, is kind of the one we stick to mainly. Uh, and it is a, a fantastic piece of communication equipment. T t tell us a little bit about, about the numbers about Dalscon, uh, Pete. Like, how many people visit the farm in person each year, and how many visitors uh, do you get uh, viewing your online streams? Uh, visitors to the the farm very seasonal, as you would expect. Um, from as I said, the the uh, the indoor area is open fifty two weeks of the year. Um, the farm park opens from beginning of April to the end of October. Uh, so 
very seasonal. Easter is a very busy time. You two two weeks at Easter because all the schools in the country, Northern Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales are all off at the same time. Summertime is slightly different because um, depends what part of the country you're in. It's Scotland, if you're in the kind of north or central belt, kind of break up the middle to the last week in June. Whereas English kids don't break up to almost the last to the July. So that really spreads our summer season out. We're very fortunate to be based in Dumfries and Galloway, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's just over the border um, in southern Scotland. Uh, so we attract visitors from um, northern England, or the northwest England, northeast England, which is, we're very um, close to that, maybe an hour, an hour and a half from Newcastle, an hour and a half from the South Lakes, uh, and only an hour and a half from Edinburgh and Glasgow. So we're a very central place. So Easter, very busy. Your summer months, very busy as well. Uh, in a whole, we will have over 100,000 visitors throughout the year, between indoors and outdoors. Uh, we've also got memberships as well. Um, at the minute, we'll, we'll have over 500 membership family memberships as well that um, can either have a, a one-off payment to play all year, as we call it, or we do a, a, a monthly direct debit scheme as well for uh, if you want to have your membership that way. That's phenomenal. And then how, how many viewers do you, do you pick up on the, on the live stream? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever did any? On the any? live, on the live stream, um, Back in the early days when we had just started it basically myself um, and we would have had um, 100, 150 visitors if we had went on and done a, done a live stream uh, in the morning. Um, we were very happy if we had I'd come in at breakfast to Trisha and say we had 150 people on today uh, and we were over the moon with that. We then had a one of our donkeys gave birth one night called um, a donkey called Pumpkin. It's called Pumpkin because we at the time we had uh, it was a kind of pumpkin picking festival, um, and there's pumpkins everywhere round about where we had this donkey situated. So we got our viewers, our Facebook followers, to suggest names uh, because he was born in the polytunnel. Surrounded by pumpkin, his name had been pumpkin. That video went viral. Um, I think to date were, were something like um, seven or eight million views on that, uh, and that's what what really set us off um, with the big numbers. Nowadays, um, Farmer Ben, my son, who is one of the, he has jumped on board and really expanded our our Facebook live uh, broadcasting. So on a typical afternoon, Ben will be on um, and he'll have between two and a half to 3,000 people uh, tuning in on his kind of afternoon stream between um, 4 and 5 p.m. UK time. Uh, we do we have the, the Farmer Pete 636 Club in the morning, Tuesday 
uh, and Friday mornings at 6.36. Um, so, and we're very blessed to have um, a faithful following for that. In the morning, we can get between 700 uh, and 1,300 people on in the morning. Depends who's up uh, or who mm -hmm. hasn't went to bed yet, because we're we we kind of reach all different time zones around the world. Around the world. That's phenomenal. But pumpkin has a lot to do with it, yeah. Yeah. Well, we get so many people saying we start. We found you when pumpkin was born. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, I, fi I find that really, really interesting. It's a phenomenal amount of the people that visit your farm uh, and uh, online. That's just, I find that so interesting. Um, obviously, Dalscon is, is really focused uh, on young people and, and kids. How, 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 how important, Pete, is it uh, to really share the farming story with, with kids? And do you find that they're really interested in, in what happens on a farm? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've kind of just really, it's coming to the, to the fore with that now. Um, basically, when we started, we were just trying to promote things. Um, but then when you get the likes of pumpkin giving birth, you kind of realize how many people are, are interested in animals. There's, there's so many people around the world have are passionate about animals and young kids and so many that we have shared different bits and pieces that kind of farmers just take for granted you know because we're doing this every day in and out uh, and some people don't actually realize what what goes on in farms not yeah. just animal related but actually you know all the different active seasonal activ activities that go on and um, with the farming calendar so uh, and especially our, our viewers go way up at um, kind of at birthing time, um, birthing time being the first two weeks in April when the babies are baby goats, uh, yeah. baby lambs are getting born. So that is, um, we try to share as much of that as we can. People love to see live births. Um, broadcasting those live can sometimes be a bit risky or challenging if you like uh, but people do appreciate it because as most farmers will know that are listening to this uh, you know the births don't always go the way that you want them to so there is some risk in that, risk in that. yeah and, and i've watched uh, i think uh, i watched after you purchased the the valley black nose last year from us i think the following week or the, the short space of time afterwards there was a one of them had a sore foot, so you you live streamed uh, you live streamed um, having this foot trimmed and, and foot uh, treated, which isn't maybe the most pleasant thing to watch. But uh, I think I, I was amazed at how many people were interacting with that and asking questions about it on the on the live stream. So that 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 in a way is, I suppose, the part of the real the real part of farming. The the things that aren't maybe the most pleasant, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, every sheep farmer out there is going to know that sheep do get sore feet, and sometimes they can be, uh, they can be pretty gross. Um, also, fly striking sheep is, is another horrendous thing. It's probably, again, everybody will know that's probably the worst thing that uh, we can experience with with sheep. You know, a, a sheep with fly strike. Um, 
and we do share that as well. Uh, we we try not to to sugarcoat our our farming journey. Uh, I mean, there there's been a lot of ups and downs as well. We don't just show you know the, the happy and high days as well. Um, it's it's well, basically a farming journey. And that's the important thing, I think. Uh, the message I think to get across um, from today's podcast is is being authentic and being real. And I think people really appreciate that. The um, can you share some of the best questions that you've ever had uh, from visitors, Pete, or maybe some of the most challenging questions that you've had from visitors over the years? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> we there, there's such a, a broad range of questions. You know, some that that will seem insignificant to us but the, the actually when you're showing what you do they mean so much to everybody that, that's out there so it's it's just trying to um to answer them in a in a real you know in a, a real kind of authentic way that again that doesn't sh sugarcoat anything but that um it just shows you every you know keeping the, the truth out there and and making sure we don't um you know, just put on a happy, jolly show. Yes, we want to be positive and, and promote what we do and promote what Scottish farmers do, basically, in the best possible way. But there, there is a lot of ups and downs as well. The, the kind of, I think the most challenging one will be, because not everybody listens to every different broadcast that we do. So if we do lose an animal or a popular animal, um, you know, there'll be in the the coming weeks where maybe a certain percentage of people will know what has happened uh, there will be people continuing to ask what happened to such and such what happened to so and so um, uh, and it's uh, it can continue to be devastating for people that have got attached to that different animal yeah yeah what's what's the most exciting thing about running Dalscon farm the most exciting thing yeah uh summertime is from from april through the summer when it's busy uh and when you know we we are we always we've got an online booking system that was set up during the kind of aftermath of covid because that's when basically everybody had to, to book in before you came um we still run that, but you, a lot more visitors just still turn up to pay on the day, if you like, you know. Mm -hmm. So the amount of online sales has went down, but it still it still operates and it still gives us a you know a perception of how many people are coming that day. And when when the numbers are high in that aspect, at your busy times, it's good. To wake up in the morning and know you've got X amount of people to come are definitely coming that day, which and then you can kind of judge how many walk-ins you're going to have as well. So when you wake in the morning, you 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 know the, and the sun's shining, you know you've got a busy day ahead. Um, that's the exciting that's the exciting thing because every day is a, a different day here at Dulscon. Yes, you may be doing the same routine, but it, it's a totally different clientele uh, and. We get 
messages from our Facebook followers. A huge percentage of them are coming from overseas, some to Scotland for the first time, uh, and they're saying, we're coming to Scotland to visit, but our number one priority is come to see you at Dulscon. Uh, for instance, Mama Joy, who lives in Maui and in, in Hawaii, has a big follower for years. She came to see us this summer. So when you get somebody traveling from Hawaii to come and see you here at Dulscon, um, yes, to visit Scotland, but with the main purpose of coming here, uh, I mean, it's very humbling uh, and it's very exciting, but it, it's also very challenging because as we tell everybody, what you see is what you get, you know, it's, um, we never want anybody to be disappointed when they do arrive. So, but hopefully yeah. that hasn't happened. Did Mama Joy and visit her uh, enjoy her visit? Oh, she did very much. Yes, Excellent. she did. Um, um, uh, and it's it's fascinating the, the relationship we do build up with people from all around the world. We've had we've had people from Hawaii. We've had we've had friends from all over the US, we've had friends from South Africa, from Australia, from New Zealand, uh, all through the power of Facebook. It's yeah. unbelievable. And, and the power of telling your story uh, in, a, in, a, in a real way, that's great. Amy, how are you doing? You've recently had a, a wedding. Yeah. How did that all go? Yeah, very good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. lovely time. So, Amy, tell us about your current role as a, as a chartered accountant and what attracted you into this uh, important role within agriculture. Yep, so I'm at David Allen Chartered Accountants. Um, I love my role. Um, I look after a portfolio of clients and head up our Dumfries office. Um, so my focus is, is on insurance. Myself and my team are offering a high um, personal service understanding each client individually and that helps us um, provide a tailor-made um, advice that that's easy for clients to understand. Yeah. Um, my background, um, family beef and sheep farm um, and then we've previously had a haulage business as well so um, I've always been involved in the paperwork side, I've always loved being in, in the office with my dad from a, a really young age. Um, I always knew that I either wanted to be a vet or I wanted to be in business of some sort. So um, I always wanted to be in the agricultural sector and that would be either a vet or, or a business or as, it, as it turns out to be an accountant. So, um, and yeah, David Allen have got a farming team, so they've got an agricultural team and each of those individuals in the team are all part of their own family farms. So it's great to be a part of a, a team that's dedicated to agriculture. And it's such, yeah, it's a it's an, an important role to have. Not many, not well, not all accountants have that uh, designated agricultural specialist uh, department. So, High Hall Farm is now your home, Amy, where you and your husband and his brother run a uh, successful sheep and beef operation in the Eden Valley, one of the most beautiful parts of of England. Um, give our listeners a little bit of insight to what happens at High Hall Farm and tell us a little bit about uh, the High Hall campsite, how that started, and uh, what's that like today? Yeah, um, so 2006, I think, they purchased the farm, um, family farm, and for the first couple of years, um, it was family run, and then 
within the first couple of years, Tom and Jimmy, um, the, the, the only sons, um, were given the opportunity to run the business. Um, so as you can imagine, the challenges of moving to a new place, they've taken on a new level of debt and um, you know the business hasn't handled a level of debt like that before. So um, four or five years in, they were you know just treading water. Um, and it's tricky to build up stock numbers um, and all the challenges that come from day yeah. to day. Um, so they visited a, an organic farm in Northumberland and they had been doing rotational grazing for a couple of years. Um, and it was at that point that re they realised that they had a lot to learn about pasture management. So they, they had to learn about budgeting, managing their pasture, and then just simplifying their farming system to suit their grazing system. Um, so if you fast forward kind of 10 years, they've invested in grazing infrastructure, um, changing their stock breeds. Um, and yeah, they're just generally looking, looking for, for more opportunities. And um, I think their motto is to keep things simple. Was that decision to change the breeds, was that focused on the grassland management and, and breeds that could really make the most out of that uh, yeah, yeah, grassland definitely. management, was it? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's really helped... Uh, cash flow and income? Yeah, because they're just focusing on controlling those variable costs, um, which in turns allowing time and money to look at other ventures. Other That's exciting. Ventures. I think grassland management is something that um, is key to almost every livestock um, business in the UK. It's something that we need to focus more on, isn't it? Really, yeah. 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 Tell us about the campsite. Yeah, so uh, it's a popular rural retreat in Cumbria now. Um, 2021, um, May 2021, that opened. So um, the brothers have always been seeking new opportunities to diversify and they, they knew that even after changes to the farming system that they were making, the margins are still very tight in, in sheep and beef. So um, they needed some other income streams. They wanted to progress, build, you know, build up cash to potentially expand. Um, and doing that off of the back of just farming profits solely was going to be quite a challenge. Um, so yeah, it'd be 2016, if we go back to then, they applied for two uh, log cabins, so some planning permission for them, but they got knocked back. So even those you know, years ago, they realised there was potential to have something on their land that was attractive to, to tourism. Um, and then May 21, the opportunity arose with Greener Camping Club. So they gave uh, an exemption license, which basically means that you don't have to go through the full planning application with the council. Um, so that's a, a massive benefit because I think it's quite a struggle to a lot of businesses. Um, so yeah, relatively low kind of set up costs and coming out the back of COVID, um, it, was, it was a good timing to, to get into tourism in, in England. It was people were unable to travel abroad and they were looking for opportunities to holiday in, and in England weren't they? So it yeah. was yeah, yeah. great I mean, time. We're on our third season now so like we're getting repeat visitors back and families are meeting other families and the kids are wanting to come back and play with each other so it's nice to see. That's so good. High Halt Farm has, has, has an amazing story to tell and I think so does so many farms across the UK. What, what advice do you have for anyone wanting to start um, sharing their story? I think yeah, social media is, is key. Um, and 
not everyone has strengths in every area so it's recognizing who can do what and if you need to outsource that and find someone that's really good at doing that um, and probably just publicizing the simple things in life so you know our social media is quite simple we try and keep it consistent and um, regular but it does show you kids enjoying the outside space and um, the kind of trying to educate children on that kind of rural urban divide that we've got going on um, but yeah the public loves seeing everything on social media and, and we do farm tours as well so um, yeah it's a, it's a good opportunity but we, we've got someone in that comes to do that and we work with them closely on on the content that we put out so I think that's important to have that partnership. I, I, I often think um, we're focused, so focused on social media and how we, and, and using that as a platform to connect with uh, people but, but I also think there's so many other great ways most people have footpaths through their farm and and see visitors I, I often think why do we not just put a simple poster on a field saying this wheat was planted in the spring it's this variety uh, or, or else you know this field has you know 23 Angus cows and you know they're they're this age and just little simple things as people pass they would and just, a, I, I think we, it's a very simple thing, but I think it's a, a great way to communicate and tell your story on a daily basis. But I, I don't see that happening a lot. And I often think, I would, I'd like to see farms doing that. Like, but what, what's, what's your most unique thing at High Hall Farm that you kind of sell to people or, or share with people? I think it's the, the space and the tranquility of the place. You know, it's, 40 minutes from the Lake District and we do have quite a lot of people now saying that the Lake District's so busy that they, they actually prefer to be just a little bit outside um, and we've got a massive pond for fishing and a river, the things that kids don't have on their doorstep no. in, in the cities. And, and we take we take for granted, we don't even notice these things when we live in the countryside but they're amazing things that people really appreciate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Th this is a question for both Amy and, and Pete. Um, diversification, we've already mentioned that you've mentioned a couple of times Pete is talked about so often within agriculture but how realistic is it to consider turning an online platform such as Facebook Live or YouTube into a revenue stream for your business I think we've seen quite a few businesses you've got the the Hoof GP which my son loves it's a guy um, trimming cow's feet uh, but he, he loves watching this and he, he's got a phenomenal following that you've got uh, the sheep game with with Cammy Wilson again just to tell on his, his story what he does with sheep and the grassmen and, there, and there's many other platforms which have a phenomenal following and I think uh, create quite a revenue for them but is that realistic and, and how or what would your strategy be to start something like that up? Pete first. Um, I, I don't I mean, everybody you've mentioned, Hoof GP and uh, Sheep Game, Grassmen, Tom Pemberton down in um, Lytton St. Yeah, Anne's. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go with Graham Parker, the Hoof GP, he, he has made um, cow fruit trimming look groovy. <laughs> Cammy Wilson has turned sheep shearing into something that everybody wants to do the grassmen have made 
tractors and, and machinery, young farmers love tractors and machinery. They've all made these things look um, really cool and really groovy. But all these, you have to appreciate all these things, hoof trimming, sheep shearing, uh, Tom Pemberton with milk and cows. These are all jobs that are incredibly hard work. And these guys make them look maybe not easy. Uh, they don't hide anything like we don't try to do. But there is, you know, they work incredibly hard. And to set out, to start up a, a social media channel purely to, um, you know, to create a revenue stream. Uh, I don't know if any of these guys ever set out to do that. I think they set out to show people what they were doing, but it has kind of morphed into a revenue stream for them. You know, they've been very blessed and they are very good at what they all are incredibly good at what they do, um, but they all work incredibly hard. The other thing that I think a lot of people don't appreciate especially with with the guys we just mentioned that are on youtube we do a percentage of our streaming um or broadcasting live which doesn't take as much preparation but the yeah. other um channels we've mentioned are all videos um so they're going about all day um collecting a huge amount of uh, footage and then sitting down at night every night you know after they've finished a long hard day putting all this together there, there's a lot of work goes into this um but they all make it look so easy and they all make it look so interesting uh and they all make it look so cool so i mean anything that they get out of their channels is is so well deserved because they put in incredible amount of work into it because we do do a little bit on youtube where we'll try and record bits throughout the day but that in itself there's an awful lot of work in that and a lot of people don't appreciate how much work that is goes into that i think i don't think maybe we shouldn't say we're taking the lazy way out but it, it's just what we have done you know doing the live videos but um and i I personally myself would like to expand our YouTube channel a wee bit, but that wouldn't mean that would mean doing what I've just said, you know, recording bits throughout the day. An awful lot of work on that. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's hundreds, thousands of farmers throughout the UK all doing different things, all got a story to tell. Um, and there's so many other streamers out there who've got different channels doing incredibly well as, as well. So yeah pick up your phone record some bits and pieces and share it with the world and, and see, right, see, how it goes. see how it goes amy do you have any uh, thoughts on uh, on that yeah we, we don't do any facebook live or youtube at the moment um and what we do is just complimenting and trying to drive more traffic to coming to visit um our campsite um but it, it's something you know we just need to find time to explore and and see if it's worth doing um, but yeah, as you, as you say, Pete, it's picking up your phone and just taking a video and taking that kind of leap to, to put something online and see where it goes. The, the one thing I get from what both of you have said is that whatever you do, you, you talked about the, the Hoof GP and all those guys, 
they never set out to make that into a revenue stream, but what they did set out to do was to share their story in a real way. And it's, you, you can never think, if someone said to you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a business plan, and I'm going to uh, make videos of trimming cow's feet, and I need a loan to buy all this equipment, I mean, you would just, it would never, you would never get off the ground. But I think, I, I think the strategy has to be, just pick up the phone, but share your story in a real way, and you just have to see where that leads. But I, I think that's where viewers and people want to see. They want to see the real you, the real story. And I think many, many farms uh, have that across, well, across the world, because the people, everybody who eats food are our consumers or our community, and they want to know how it's produced. So it's, I think, I, I think that's what I get out of what you said. Agricultural world. I mean, I haven't heard of any auctioneer streamers yet, but. I mean, it would be always good to, to know about a, a market auctioneer streaming through. There you go. Let's do it. You said all those guys make it look really easy. Yeah, I can really do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's th this is this is for both of you. What's the funniest question you have had uh, with the people coming on your campsite and the people coming onto your to your farm? What's the what, what's the funniest one? You any 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 standout ones? I suppose one that stands out to us would be um, uh, one of one of this, this little boy hadn't actually ever seen a clear sky before, and he asked one of us what that was. It was a star. So I, I don't. It's not particularly funny, but it. It's, in, a, in a way, it's uh, yeah. In a way, it's almost sad because he's never been uh, away from the light pollution. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Pete? Um, I mean, there's there's so many um, different quick. Rather than questions, probably one of the, the funniest moments or events that's happened way back when, when we were starting the kind of farm park side of things, uh, there's a family used to come in and, and we had some rabbits and guinea pigs at, at the time. This is before we had our actual small animal house that I was talking about. Uh, and one of the little kids who wore quite thick glasses wanted to, stroke a guinea pig this day. It's not something we did at the time, but Farmer Pete, yeah, got the guinea pig out, was holding it, kind of cradled it in, in my arm. There's a couple of kids. Uh, and the wee one with the thick, thick glasses, I was talking to the mum while the kids were kind of stroking the guinea pig. Now, not saying her, this particular child had bad eyesight, but I felt this funny sensation in my arm, and, and I'm not saying I've got hairy arms, but she was stroking my arm rather than stroking the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a wee bit of waxing needed there, but you know, these things stick in your mind. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Um, this is a, um, for both of you, this question for both of you as well. What, what's your definition of success, Pete? My... My definition of success is uh, a beautiful wife, three healthy kids, uh, four healthy grandbabies. Um, everything else is, is second, second to that. Yeah, beautiful answer. And the same question to you, Amy? Yeah, I think being happy, healthy, love what you're doing, and, you know, like any business, a farm, you'd probably have to say that definition of success would be to be financially successful, to have a, have a financially successful operation. Um, 
not that money's everything, but um, you know that helps you sleep at night as well and have a, a happy, healthy kind of balance of work life. A few podcasts ago, we were um, speaking to a, a famous old guy from Ayrshire, Hugh Kennedy, and uh, uh, one of the questions was, was about borrowing money. And he said, uh, I said, how much money, or how much money is too much money to borrow? And his answer was, uh, if you can't sleep at night, you've borrowed too much money. And, and I thought it was very true because over the years, uh, he, he's retired now, but over the years, uh, uh, he always slept at night. So he thought he was, did it well. Yeah. I asked this question to everybody, just, just wrapping things up, uh, who come on to the one and only. Uh, what, Pete, what's your sort of favorite podcast or YouTube channel that you would suggest to listeners to, to check out? To be truthful, I don't, I don't get, <laughs> of course it's one and only, uh, I, I don't get as much time as would like to listen to, to podcasts. Um, when, when you do what we do with our social media side, you're always watching what's going on on similar channels. Um, and all the, all the guys we've already mentioned, uh, Hoof GP, Sheep Game, Grassmen, uh, Tom Pemberton, you know, ones that are, are in a sim similar vein to what we're doing, who are relatively close by, although there is umpteen different um, YouTubers and, and streamers on there. In our house, we don't, we rarely watch any television at night. When we do get sat down, I'll, We've now got YouTube on our telly, which I think is quite fancy, but maybe I'm old fashioned. <laughs> uh, so I'll be flipping through the different YouTube channels at night. Um, dairy cows or dairy farming or sheep farming and seeing what's out there. There's, there's so many interesting folk out there. Sometimes Trisha will say to me, right, what is it exactly we're watching? So, you know. Okay. Um, is there something family oriented we can watch here rather than just farming all the time? So uh, it gets the grip of you. Once you get into it, be warned, be careful, everybody, because once it gets into your veins, um, you know, this kind of thing, you just want to see what everybody else is doing and see how to do it better. Amy, do you have any uh, podcasts that you Yeah, I particularly enjoy the, the Diary of the CEO by Stephen Bartlett. So he interviews the most kind of influential people, experts, and um, kind of discovers un unlearned lessons and untold truths and things like that. So that's, I find that quite varied and, and good to listen to. Um, and then recently I've started to listen to uh, Women in Wellies. That's just a new one for me, so yeah. I've de we've definitely heard about the, the, fir the first one, yeah. But I haven't, uh, that's a first for Women in Wellies, so I'll have to check it out. Thank you. No. Once again, guys, thank you, Pete and Amy, for uh, being part of uh, our September One and Only podcast. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. I've found your stories fascinating and uh, wish you all with all, all the best with your business, Amy. And Pete, uh, continued success with Dalscon. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that should encourage farmers who are thinking about... Uh, sharing their story. I think it should really encourage them to go ahead and, as you say, pick up a phone and, and start doing it. And I think it can have a, a massive impact on their business, not just their business, but 
I think can uh, really have a positive impact on the, the communities and, and the customers that uh, will be using their food and eating their food. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, and again, thanks for listening, folks. And uh, be good or be good at it. Thanks once again for tuning into the one and only podcast. You know the drill by now. Share, follow and tell all your friends and never miss out on an episode.